Welcome into another edition of Region Roundup. I'm James Boyd here with Mike Clark for another edition of our podcast, um, the last one before Christmas. So, Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. Um, actually, um, I'm working over well, and okay, we're gonna go a little bit out of the sequence on our plan here that we just uh, <laughs> just a. a, a a, uh, a note to our listeners, uh, James and I usually uh, come up with a, uh, a schedule for the pod, and uh, this was actually going to be the last item, but uh, let's talk about it now. Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, um, I'm going to be working on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and uh, part of that is I don't have any family close by, and obviously I'm not going to see my friends uh, right now, and I would hope that... The folks who are listening to us um, are still taking everything seriously, masking up, uh, social distancing, um, not uh, going to parties for sure, even though a lot of folks in Chicago are doing that, which I'm seeing on social media, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, and, uh, you know, just yeah, not um, mixing with other households. So, um, so I'm doing good. I'm at, so I'm taking a little bit of time off at the beginning of the week actually. And, uh, it's good because I can actually get some errands running stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's what I'm going to be doing over the holidays. Um, and it's such a strange year. Like, I don't know. I mean, it, it almost feels like a drinking game to say that because we do it <laughs> so often. Um, but, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I've actually done for a while. Um, and, you know, I don't want to get, you know, too off topic here. This is a sports podcast, but uh, maybe, uh, you know, we can shed a little bit of light on, on, uh, on the personal side of it, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I had a tradition for a while of uh, going out to visit my brother in Tucson um, over the Christmas holiday because, uh it's a lot warmer in Tucson, yeah. uh, among other things. <laughs> so that was kind of a cool thing. And I did kind of get away from it the last few years. And uh, I'm kind of uh, really missing it right now. Um, this year, with all the stuff that's gone on, you know, I really would have liked to have resumed that tradition. But um, I'm not getting on a plane anytime soon. And uh, he has told me he's not getting on a plane to come here anytime soon. So um, we will have to put that off until 2021. Um, but I'm guessing that you are having some uh, some family stuff going on. I know, obviously, um, you live with your family right now. And, uh, you know, we've talked about your grandma, I think, on the pod before and uh, how uh, important she is um, as a role model and mentor for you um, and I guess hopefully you can at least get some Zoom time with her uh, over the holidays. Yeah I'll definitely call her on Christmas and um, I have no idea what my Christmas will look like. I know it'll involve at least sleeping in for the first time in <laughs> forever <laughs> um, between uh, I guess me, you and, and the podcast crew um, finishing up all area football um, doing girls basketball, uh, uh, mini articles, boys, boys basketball, mini articles and, and trying to keep up with, you know, the, the, the COVID-19 updates, things like that. Um, I have a lot of work to do between now and, uh, Christmas Eve. So I know I'll be, uh, burning the candle at both ends to get everything done. Not only done, but done well. I think that's the part that kind of always pushes me to have a lack of sleep, but it's like, you know, I want it to be done well and not just done. 
So uh, that that's what I'll be doing um, prior to Christmas and Christmas Day. Um, I'll probably be running a few errands with my family just to drop off some gifts at uh, some of our families uh, or some of our extended family. Of course, I won't be going to anybody's house. I'll be uh, you know ringing the doorbell and leaving it on the porch and just calling them let them know it's outside. Um, that's pretty much it. I'll do the same for my grandma. Um, I believe my mom has ordered her like a robe. Um, and then my, my grandma's really simple. For those of you who don't know, like she is just not the person that ever wants anything. Um, and that's like the sincerest way I can put it. Um, she'll actually probably be upset if you go out and spend like a hundred dollars on something that she doesn't want. <laughs> so, um, we're very forthcoming in this family. Uh, the boy tradition is basically asking, what do you want for Christmas? Um, the only person I really don't do that to with is my dad. Um, he's pretty easy to shop for. My mom, my sister, oh, God bless them. Like, they can tell me <laughs> what they want. They'll pick it out, Mike, and then they'll tell me, you know, after they get it, after they felt it, after they tried it on, they'll we'll get home. And three days later, they're like, oh, I don't know if I want this anymore. So I've learned, you know, from years past to just, uh, you know, ask them, what do you want specifically? And then, uh, you know, get a gift receipt. And then after that, it, it's in your hands. Um, but yeah. I know that, I was going to say, I know that, uh, I guarantee you that the number one thing on your grandma's Christmas list is for everybody to be healthy and happy and for you to be able to see her in person, maskless, um, you know, sometime in 2021. Yeah, um, and what's what's, what's cool is my uh, my pastor, uh, he's actually a doctor, Dr. Horace E. Smith uh, for Absolute Faith Church. He got vaccinated today. Um, he's been encouraging everyone in my uh, community, uh, as far as my church community in Bronzeville, a lot of people of color, a lot of black people just been encouraging them to uh, trust the vaccine, to get the vaccine. And me and my grandma have been talking about it. And, and trust me, when it's when it's when it's ready, uh, we'll be in line to get it. But that's that's basically it. I mean, it's pretty chill day as far as um, Christmas and even the holiday season. I mean, just what I've been doing, what we've been doing all year. And that's just trying to stay safe. But, um, you know, in that same breath, there will be some games to watch around the holidays. And one of them will be the Arizona Bowl between uh, Ball State and uh, San Jose State. And uh, Ball State actually just won its first MAC championship since 1996. Um, I had the pleasure of talking to a former Maryville player, Justin Ramsey, spelled J-U-S-T-E-N, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> Which way you got to ask to spell names. But, yeah, I talked to him. He's a guy that I've known um, since I got hired in the region, actually. He was our... 2018 Defensive Player of the Year at the Times. Um, kind of followed his career since. And uh, throughout all this crazy pandemic season, um, the MAC was actually the first, uh, you know, major conference in, in football to cancel their fall season. And they flipped that decision and reinstated football. And now Ball State is the MAC champ. So it was a pretty uh, cool story to write just because I kind of followed along with Justin and his emotions where. You know, one, you know, four months ago, we're talking. He's like, oh, my gosh, like, I won't play football this year at all. So now he's like, man, I was sitting there with my hat on. Like, is this for real? Did we just win the Mac? So that was a really cool thing to write about and, and just fun to be involved with. Yeah. And uh, I believe we have some more coverage coming as well. Yes. Um, uh, there are other local players uh, for the Cardinals. Um this, uh, this is kind of an interesting game, actually, too, for those who may not follow college football a ton. Uh, San Jose State beat Boise State um, to win the Mountain West. Uh, that's the tie-in here. It's the uh, MAC champ against the Mountain West champ. 
And uh, San Jose State was, I believe, 0-16 against Boise State all time until they won this year. Um, so that's kind of a cool thing, too. Again, you know, first time for Ball State winning the MAC for 24 years. First time, I believe, that San Jose State has won the Mountain West. So, and, you know, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here because we can. And, uh, you know, one of the things, one of the storylines that's going on right now is with all the stuff that's going on through college football this year, uh, conferences canceling, coming back, um, et cetera, losing games because of COVID and everything. And it's been kind of a crazy week already, and it's yeah. only Tuesday as we record this. Um, so Army, uh, as a lot of people may have heard, um, was uh, going to the Independence Bowl, and then the Independence Bowl canceled the game because uh, their Army's opponent uh, wasn't going to be able to play. So... Army was looking at sitting there at nine and two and not having a game to go to. And then um, it winds up that they're going to the Liberty Bowl, um, South Carolina, which got a bowl bid at two and eight um, <laughs> with, an, with an interim coach, no less. You know, they fired uh, their coach during the season. And people are like, what's going on here? And what's going on here is because these bowls have uh, conference uh, tie ins basically uh that's the way the bowl system works in a normal year obviously this isn't a normal year but you know it's you have the sec has x number of bowl bids uh the big 10 you know uh, so on down the line and that's why south carolina was you know the next in line in the sec to go to this bowl um anyway army has a happy ending to its story but UAB, which one conference USA is currently without a bowl um, because uh, their bowl got canceled because their opponent uh, decided it wasn't going to be able to play. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have thought that the bowl system is kind of broken anyway. Um, there are too many of them. A lot of people think um, even in a normal year, we were having to drop down and take sub 500 teams in this year. That's completely out the window. There are a bunch of teams with losing records playing in bowl games. And at the same time, you have MAC teams uh, with winning records that aren't going anywhere. Um, so it's a very much of a you know have and have not kind of a thing. You know the Power Five and the Group of Five. Um, it's it's really kind of a crazy situation. And those of us who follow college football a little bit closer, you know, I mean it, it's it's really a shame. You know, when you're UAB, which is you know, and I'm going way down the rabbit hole here, but I mean, I don't know if, how many people remember. They actually dropped football yeah, a few years ago, yeah. you know, and there was such an outcry in the community um, that they raised enough money to bring football back after dropping it. So now they're all the way back to winning Conference USA. And as of right now, uh, as we record this, they don't have a bowl game to go to. Hopefully that gets fixed. But uh, yeah, kind of a crazy situation. Well, I mean, every like everything else, I mean, you know, this is like Alice in Wonderland, basically, for sports <laughs> this year. Everything is upside down. Everything is not like what we have seen in the past and probably will ever see again. So um, very strange. But one thing uh, has continued, um, a, an annual tradition that uh, did not get canceled this year or uh postponed or anything put on pause that is national signing day and you had some really cool stories there um starting out with a player from merrillville 
and if you could maybe run us through some of that stuff. I know that was uh, kind of a crazy day, a very hectic day for you, but you got some really cool stories there. Yeah, that was definitely um, a crazy day just because normally um, I'd probably be going to, you know, a signing day for a marquee player or whatnot, just trying to get some of that, like, visual, uh, you know, to add to the story. But considering COVID-19 and everything going on, I was like, you know what? I've talked to all seven of our Division One signees all year and throughout their careers, and I had all their numbers, and I was like, you know what? You're going to just play – uh, basically, you're gonna just uh, play a little Russian roulette and see who who, who picks up the phone. So, <laughs> I uh, I definitely want to start off with Maryville and Phil Gunn, um, just because this is a guy who um is a is an outstanding offensive lineman. However, um, he was injured for the majority of of Maryville's season, and I never really um you know had the chance to to write about what happened or inquire about what happened. I just knew he had a leg injury. And um, he was out. And to be honest, Mike, all this time I thought, okay, he just has like this. I saw him at games and stuff. I thought he had like a a high ankle sprain or something like that. He's being super cautious, you know, college college potential there. Don't want to, you know, rush back and ruin your your chances of going to the next level. Mike, it turns out that he broke his right femur in practice. And I had no idea that he even had surgery. Um, Like I said, that he had a broken leg because um, when I saw him, he was just like, he had some crutches in like a, like kind of like this, like soft cast that I saw on it. So it was a interesting um, experience and really a roller coaster year for him personally, just because he started off at Morton. Um, Morton canceled their fall contact sports. So he, see, he and a few others transferred to Maryville to keep playing. He gets, uh, you know, eligibility at, at Maryville, plays the first three games, and then boom has a, a, a awkward hit in practice and then breaks his leg. So um, it was a it was a tough year for him just because he didn't get – it just didn't go how he envisioned it at all, you know. So uh, it was really cool that right after his injury, right after he got surgery, he got a call from Ball State, him and his mom, and they told him not to worry, your scholarship's fine. You know, to hear that during a pandemic is great, and to hear that during a pandemic after you had a season-ending injury is even better. Um, so that put him at ease, and he was able to sign officially with Ball State – um, so that was awesome, Mike. I think that was a really cool story to share just because I don't think anybody else uh, really told that story. And frankly, it was just me being nosy, like, okay, well, what season's <laughs> over. You know, what happened? I know you didn't play. And I didn't want to necessarily write about it during the season just because I didn't want to uh, take away from, from the, 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 the team and the guys who were playing. And I don't think Phil would have wanted it to be that way anyways. But this was a day to kind of celebrate everything he's been through as well as his teammates um, he was one of three guys from Maryville to sign um, Division One. Uh, we got De'Ara Kelly going to ball, I mean Bowling Green, and then we have JoJo Johnson going to uh, Notre Dame. You know, I, I joke with him. I said, "You're famous now. You know, you can't forget about me as a local reporter." Um, but yeah, uh, those three from Maryville. Then we had two more from Valparaiso with John Hoffer going to Western Michigan, um, Cooper Jones going to Indiana, and then two more from Hobart. You got Bobby Babcock going to uh, Illinois State, and then uh, Zach Vogue joining Hoffer at Western Michigan. So that was a it was a fun day. Uh, I didn't even bother uh, reaching out to the coaches because I had talked to coaches so often, and I was thinking, you know what, like who can better tell me about today than the players? And um, I talked to Phil's mom actually because she was uh, right there with him through all the ups and downs of his injury, and uh, she was at Mike. She was at every game with him, sitting beside him. You know, in the cold, no matter what, she was at every game. I remember going to 
uh, Indianapolis uh, Bishop Chittard, and she was there. Um, she had drove all the way to Indianapolis with Phil, even though he couldn't play, and was sitting on the sidelines in the cold, uh, you know, to, 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 to get, kind of console her son and cheer on her other son, as she called it, on the field. So that was a, that was a cool story to share and uh, something to kind of just put a positive spin on, like I said, a really tough year for Phil. Yeah, um, you know, and honestly, um, so he's one of the Morton kids, and obviously JoJo's another one. Yeah. And, uh, In the air. Right. But JoJo, um, you know, I don't know that – I can't remember a recruit uh, taking off like this yeah. um, in our area. I mean, to go to, you know, from, you know, from some mid-major, what was it, Northern Illinois first, yeah. and then to Cincy, and then to Notre Dame, I mean, uh, that's something that doesn't happen, basically, and especially in a short season, um, a COVID season, I mean, that's just remarkable that, you know, and I mean, and I guess that's, it's a testament to the power of film basically because you know he was a mac recruit you know a mac to um aac recruit um before and then all of a sudden he's an order dame signee um and that's based on what he did this year people saw people saw him as a pretty good player coming out of his junior year and they saw him take uh a real leap forward as a senior, which, you know, I mean, you saw a lot of that. You saw Maribel play quite a few times. And, you know, I mean, we've seen the highlights too, even those of us who didn't see Maribel play. I mean, we've seen the, the stuff on Twitter, you know, I mean, and Jojo is uh, clearly a generational talent. And uh, that's just a, you know, one of the great success stories of 2020 and just really, and I, I say it's an improbable story, not because he does, he's not talented or not that he doesn't deserve it, but just the fact that so many kids had such a hard time getting seen this year. Um, yeah, I know, think, honestly, age. Mike, I think part of it was, 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 you know, him being super talented. And two, he, he got better. Like, I've, I saw him play at Morton a couple times, and I saw him play at Maryville a bunch of times. He got better, even though he went to a higher program and, and like, a, a bigger class. He was not just on, like, you know, getting more publicity. He got more publicity and more eyes on him because he played a bigger program and his team had a lot of success. But he got better. Like, he got a lot better. And then number number three, you know, Mike, they got lucky with the, the pandemic. They only missed one game this year. Um, and That's I, and true. I, and it wasn't even <laughs> their fault. So, right. you know, if, if yeah. he goes to Valparaiso and has that same experience where I think Valpo missed – Maybe I think they played like five regular season games or something like that before going into the right. season. Would yeah. it be different? Like, would he get that offer? But he had a chance to really and consistently show he was one of the best players in Indiana on any given night. And I mean, he had a couple of plays where I was sitting there in person. Like, I remember I can't remember which team. I might have been Crown Point where they threw they threw like a back. Uh, they threw a fade to the pylon, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh wow, that pass is completely overthrown." And <laughs> You know, he just hits another gear, Mike, accelerates and catches the ball with ease, and he's got about five yards between him and the, and the closest defender. And he had another one against Crown Point where he caught it and like in the flat, and he's at like maybe he's inside the five yard line. He juked like two of the Crown Point um, um, defensive backs, and then literally walked into the end zone. 
And I'm like, stuff like that is just you. You can't teach that. You can't. No. He's just a better athlete. Like when you when you have them dead to rights and you have the right coverage, and he still scores. I'm like, well, that's just JoJo being JoJo. So it was it was fun to see and definitely a, a, a ride for me. I mean, I wrote three recruitment stories and, and I joked with him in the last one. I was like, is, is this is this it? Like, is Notre Dame it? And he, <laughs> he definitely told me that was it. And I mean, hey, I mean, they're they're in the college football playoff uh, premier program uh, program that's known all over the country. Um, I think everyone kind of knew when he got that offer, that's where he was going to go. And, and, and I mean, he's an Indiana kid. So anytime you get an offer from the, from the golden domes, uh, that's, that's a pretty big deal. And, and one that is definitely um, worth writing about. And honestly, it, it was cool to kind of uh, joke with some of his teammates now. Cause I mean, Jojo, he's blown up. He's, I mean, I could not get in contact with him on signing day and I wasn't even disappointed just because I knew as I was checking his Twitter feed, he was doing like, you know, TV interviews, radio interviews. He was, you know, doing stuff for the the Notre Dame football Twitter uh, handle and things like that. So it was a lot going on for him that day. And I was like, you know what? Like the, the, the little Jojo is now big Jojo. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, that segues to uh, mentioning Crown Point um, to our next football story, uh, which is that Kevin Enright has resigned as the Bulldogs coach. Um, a, actually a pretty good run. Mm-hmm. Um he won three sectional titles, and winning a, a title in that class is not easy no. <laughs> at all. No. Um, and they gave Burrowville a heck of a game last year mm-hmm. um, in the sectional, too, lost 10-9. to nine. So um, one of the things that uh, you know I kind of thought about this a little bit, it felt like Crown Point usually got better as the season went along, um, which is a testament to the coaching staff because you know you you come in and you you come up with the best plan you can have and then you know if you know maybe one kid looks like he's not in the right position you move some kids around or you you know you shake up your playbook a little bit but that's one of the things that uh, you know we saw over Kevin Enright's tenure is that the Bulldogs usually got better by the time the season uh, got down to nitty-gritty time and you know i mean sometimes in in high school sports especially you know when you're dealing with public schools i mean you're dealing with who's walking through the door and this is not a knock on crown points talent at all but i mean that's just the reality you know Mm -hmm. i mean this is who this is who you have and you work with who you have you know and you try to do the best you can but uh again three sectional titles is not to be sneezed at um by any stretch of the imagination so um, now CP is looking for a football coach, and that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, well, now we have two uh, Doolin schools uh, who are looking for coaches because uh, the LC uh, coach Tom, not Tom, uh, Tony Bartholomeo. Hope I'm saying that right. Right, but, uh, Bartolomeo, he, Right, yes. Yeah, right. he uh, he resigned as well. So you know, those are two uh, marquee programs that I'm. Sure, I'll be getting, um, you know, I, I guess an update on maybe at 4 p.m. on a Friday <laughs> about, uh, about you know, who's who's going to be taking over the program. But all jokes aside, uh, I, I called Kevin Enright on, on Friday after I got the news that he had resigned. Didn't get a call back, but I left him a message and told him, you know, thank you. Um, he was always a guy that was pretty straightforward with me, um, straight shooter and, and uh, someone that I think a lot of his players re- respected. So, um, you know, I think it will be like you said, uh, someone who has to kind of come in and, and kind of keep that success going. I know this year they were down a little bit, but they had the pandemic and things like that. They also had to be affected with their schedule. But, I mean, they they played Maryville 
pretty well last year. And and for those of you who kind of don't kind of forgotten, Maryville was top dog last year as well. Um, them and Valparaiso, and it was kind of expected that Maryville would run all over them and do whatever they wanted in the sectional championship. And uh, it was it went right down to the wire, um, literally. So it was a, it was a great game, and, and I definitely think that he uh, did a lot for that program. So we'll have to see. His record is fifty one and, and, and forty five over nine years, and he had the the three uh, sectional championships from two thousand sixteen to two thousand eighteen. So uh, definitely nothing to sneeze at, and definitely if you were a player there, I mean, you had a chance to be a, a champion if you were there uh, during those years, and you can't take that for granted. And. Uh... It feels like this is a really bearable and heavy podcast, but uh, uh, that leads us into the next item, and we <laughs> are into generation next. Uh, TJ Lux, as you recall, stepped down as coach uh, last year. Uh, Bo Patton took over, and one of the reasons TJ stepped down was uh, so he could uh, you know, spend a little bit more time with his family, and uh, we have the next generation of Luxes. Uh, playing at Merrillville and uh, putting on quite a show, uh, A.J. Lux, uh, T.J.'s son, uh, had a big game against uh, Munster. Uh, and Munster is actually their first game, which was kind of delayed because of the pandemic, obviously. But uh, I guess you were pretty impressed with A.J. Yeah, it was pretty cool to see. Um, I had saw him in Crown Point season opener against Ileana Christian. Um, he made his first career start against Munster. And he had seven threes. He had 21 points. It was all threes. Um, he was 7 of 12 from downtown. And uh, he had five threes in the third quarter alone. And uh, it was it was just some great some great shooting, man. I mean, he's a pretty mild-mannered kid. But he had some, some emotion there. And uh, I, I asked him after the game, you know, we were asking questions like, oh, you know, the typical how did it feel to get that hot? Did you expect it to start today? What do you think about your first career start? Blah, yada, yada. And I was like, you know what? Uh, what about your dad? I'm like, your dad's right there on the bench. Uh, so I was like, what is he saying to you as you're putting up these shots? And well, I guess what's that like to have your dad as your coach? And he kind of let out a grin. And he's like, man, he just kept telling me to keep my elbow in. And so that was uh, that was pretty cool just because um, even as a father who would, you know, I guess normal fathers who aren't coaches will probably be cheering and things like that. And uh, I was kind of watching uh, TJ after every shot, and it wasn't like this uh, surprised look or like this really big passionate outburst, but I guess it was like those small little like, you know, tuck your elbow in after every shot. So that was, uh, it was pretty cool to see. And I think Crown Point's rolling. They, they've, got a, they've got a pretty good team. They've got a, they got a team that's uh, been together for a while. Some of their uh, uh, top guys have been together for a few years now. Um, and then with, with AJ stepping up like he did, if he can have – that's how production is only a sophomore, but if he can, you know, be like a, a marksman for them, that would be really good. He's also six foot four, Mike. So he's got his dad's height. He's kicking in. And I'm thinking if you're a six, four shooter, um, similar to like Chris Mannis, who's six, seven over at Lowell, there's not a hero that's going to stop you from shooting the basketball. I mean, Nick, I mean, Chris Mannis went off for 48 last week uh, against Portage. And, and, and again, when he gets to his spot and raises up, not people are going to block that shot. So, it was cool to see. It was fun to be back in Munster's gym. And I don't doubt that Munster will be okay. They'll be fine. They have uh, Mike Hackett, who's one of the best coaches in the region. Um, they have a well-experienced uh, program. They just had to kind of get that first game in and, and kind of go from there. Yeah, I guess I should, you know, I may have been on a little bit um, 
fuzzy or vague about that. So TJ was the star at Merrillville, went on to play at Northern Illinois, uh, had some records broken by another local guy, uh, <laughs> Eugene German, as a matter of fact. And again, that's why TJ stepped down, uh, so he could watch uh, AJ play, obviously, at Crown Point. So, um, and that brings us to, uh, as we usually talk about, uh, my column uh, from the previous week. And uh, this is something that I'd written about uh, earlier. Um, again, Illinois has had almost no sports this school year. And we're at the end of December. Um, Illinois had uh, low risk fall sports, um, cross country, golf, tennis, swimming. Those are the only sports that have been played in Illinois as of right now. Everything is on pause uh, for the winter, even the low-risk sports. Um, and we don't know when there will be sports in Illinois. And one of the consequences of this is that uh, there was no high school football in the fall. I talked to a uh, player named Miles Watson, who was a D-lineman from TSL, started as a junior. 2019 had 50-some uh, tackles and was getting some interest, but again, uh, like we were kind of talking about with JoJo a little bit earlier, um, you know, JoJo got the film and was able to parlay that into a great offer. And Miles Watson, unfortunately, did not have any senior film, right? Uh, game film, that is. Uh, he did go to some combines and some some workouts and got some video there. But um, you know, one of the reasons that. I, I kind of wrote about him and was kind of following him. He has been very active on uh, social media, Twitter in particular. Um, yeah, he has done a great job of marketing himself, which is what uh, kids have to do these days. Um, and he's also got some help from uh, Bob Page, the TF South football coach, who has a lot of connections. He's been um, coaching around here for quite a while, so he has a lot of college connections too. But uh, that's something that kids have to do more so this year on the Illinois side in particular because, again, you know, without that senior film, and it's tough to get recruited. And the other thing that uh, I was talking, uh, doing some of the, the uh, reporting on this story, um, Bob Padgett told me that Brock Speck, who is the Illinois State coach, spoke at the Illinois uh, football coaches uh, virtual convention a couple of weeks ago and said that um, scholarships are really going to dry up over the next year, especially at that FCS level, um, because the NCAA has given everybody who is eligible this year another free year. So no matter what year you are, if you're in the NCAA right now, you get another free year. So that's number one. Um, the other thing that's going on is uh, the transfer portal. Everyone who is who wants to transfer is going to get one free transfer. Basically, you will not have to sit out the first time you transfer. And I saw something crazy on the, on Twitter today or yesterday. I don't know if you saw this, James, but uh, as of right now, there are over 530 football players in the transfer portal. Um, and for uh, FBS football, there's, you know, 120 schools, something in that range, basically. So that means basically every FBS school would have to take four transfers um, for everybody to find a spot. And then that's, 
and that's not you know really what's going to happen you know some people are going to wind up at fcs i'm sure um some people may wind up just deciding you know they're not getting a good enough offer so they may just call it a career but uh what that means for the class of 2022s you know the current juniors are going to be you know presumably playing a regular season next fall um they're going to have a hard time finding a spot because you're going to have all of these veterans in the NCAA uh, still around, basically. And also there's the amount of money that's uh, committed to scholarships as well from these schools, a lot of whom have not had fans at their games. And football is the big revenue driver for almost every Division One school, uh, certainly the schools that have football. I mean, obviously they're – there's schools like DePaul or Loyola that don't have football, so basketball is the revenue driver. But, you know, if you got a football team and you're in D1, I mean, that's the big source of your revenue. And if you're not having fans at games, that's a big hit to your revenue. Um, so uh, anyway, getting back to Miles, there is a happy ending to his story. Um, he is going to be a preferred walk-on at Western Illinois. Um, and uh, it's great for him. He's going to get a chance to play, obviously, if he does well enough you know maybe there'll be some scholarship money down the road um but he's at least knows that he's going someplace where he's going to be on a roster and having a chance to play and uh you know as you have said many times on this podcast and elsewhere um you love writing about stories about kids who have a chance to get an education paid for um one of your favorite things, as a matter of fact. Yes, so. Mike. Like, there is no better story. And, and, and I, I kid you not, I told every recruit that I talked to um, on signing day, I was like, man, like, you've already won. Just keep winning. Like, you don't realize. And, I, and they will never realize it because they won't have to actually pay for it. Because I didn't realize it until I had to pay for it. But school's expensive. <laughs> it's very expensive. So I'm always excited when they get a chance to not only play the sport they love, but go do something, you know, productive with that sport. And like you said, getting a degree. So this is some, you know, these are types of things that can change your life. And then one funny thing, uh, just to kind of jump in real quick is, uh, Phil Gunn's mother, Ernestine, she was saying she had tears in her eyes when they got the, the papers, uh, sent to them for him to sign, um, on national signing day. And she was saying, she said, I had to look at Phil and tell him, you don't realize how like life changing this is. And it's just, exactly. it's just them two, just him and her. And she was saying like, you know, all I had to was a hundred percent. She said, I don't care where it was. She said, I don't care if it was <laughs> Ball State, Notre Dame, you know, IU. She right. was saying, I don't care if it was on the moon, basically it's right. free. So it, it's awesome to see that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just, we're about ready to wrap this up here. And just one more quick note, kind of related, actually, to I wrote another story um, about another TS South athlete, um, a boys volleyball player. He's not going uh, to play sports in college. Um, he's a pretty good boys volleyball player, but uh, it's going to be at Foreman High School. But his name is Fernando Lopez. He's going to Yale on a full scholarship. Um, and... Uh, uh, okay, you know, it, it's the holidays, so I'm going to break the rules here a little bit. You know, this is, again, this is not necessarily a sports story, but I wrote about it, and I thought it was kind of cool, so we're, we're going to share a little bit of it here. Let's do um, it. Yeah, and uh, it was kind of crazy. Uh, this whole process, this is a, a national organization called QuestBridge, and what they do is um, 
they open it up, uh, and basically what seniors do uh, is they apply, and uh, there were something like 18,000 kids across the country, and they're pretty high uh, requirements, you know, GPA, core, core curriculum, um, you know, stuff like that. And there's 18,000-plus kids who apply. They do a cut to about a little bit over 6,000. And those 6,000 then have to present some more materials, you know, recommendations from teachers, um, uh, stuff like that. And then uh, there are 42 uh, prestigious schools around the country that uh, vet these kids and vet their, uh, you know, their uh, applications. And out of that group, uh, there's around 1,400 that wind up getting uh full scholarships uh yale is one of the schools and it was just a very uh, surreal experience for fernando because uh uh he got the uh the news on december 1st which is his aunt's uh birthday his late aunt's birthday uh he and his mom had gone to visit the gravesite, and they were driving back so it was a somber day obviously and he got a message uh text or email i'm not sure which on his phone and he was wondering well should i open it you know because it could be good news or bad news uh do i want to open it or not and he said okay uh, i'm gonna go ahead and open it and uh he got the news he was accepted to yale and he said that he and his mom both started crying right there in the car um because as you say it's a i mean this is an ivy league education i mean i don't know what this costs you know probably in this area of 300 grand something like that Mm -hmm. you know i mean uh, just a tremendous thing. He's he wants to be a doctor. He's going to cover, or he's going to study rather uh, molecular uh, biology. Uh, so a really smart kid, um, you know. Going and he said he wants to do good for the world. He wants to do help other people out. So, um, you know, I'm I'm actually kind of tearing up a little bit just thinking about it. Honestly, you know, as we're talking here, because I mean, in all of the tough stories that we have heard for this year um to kind of wrap up the year with a story like that is uh very uh, inspiring and heartening and uh you know again as you said i mean this is a fun story to write you know i mean how how could you not like writing a story about a kid a local kid you know at a local high school um whose dream is coming true of getting a Yale education paid for. Um, you know, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I mean, and and in that on that note, um, I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up here. But I will say, um, before Christmas, you should definitely read Mike's story. It'll make you feel all warm and fuzzy and all that stuff. Um, it definitely did that for me. I'm not I'm not too proud to admit it. I, I like the, the you know the softness every now and then. Um, but it was it was a great story. Um, a great way to kind of in this podcast and, and, and one of the things you talked about was how great it is for us to write these stories. And all we're asking you as our listeners and readers is to do is to just go and read it. So go enjoy that. Um, enjoy your families, um, wear a mask and stay safe. And we'll tune in with you next week for our last podcast before 2021.